is Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting female musicians and artists. Today I am joined by Claire Simpson, the singer and guitarist of grunge slash dream pop project, The Astrals. Claire, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Matthew. It's really great to chat to you today. I, you know, I usually start the podcast by saying, you know, welcome to the 2SER studios, but uh, we are in slightly different times at the moment. We are. We're, we're kind of discussing this on the internet. It's actually March the 30th, and it's been about three weeks since I did uh, my last interview. You released a single about a week ago um, called Disappearing. So firstly, can you just tell us a little bit about um, the song Disappearing uh, from the Astrals? Uh, yeah, so it's like sort of a dream pop kind of grunge song, I guess, sort of taking from both influences there. Um, but basically, it's pretty much a song about attention, I suppose, paying attention and how attention can function as like an umbilical cord to the universe and that the more attention you pay, the more you get coaxed out of yourself and into the moment you're occupying. It's a means like, of feeling felt and like a form of analgesic for disappearing from time after you've lived it, basically. Right. Okay. Trying. So it's like trying to capture the moment that you're living in in the modern age. Yeah, pretty much. I saw that. So the plan was that you were you, the single came out about 10 days ago and you had a launch planned for the, I think it was the 18th of March at the oh, Mali it was, the, it was the same day that it was to come out, so it was the 19th, yeah. Right, okay. So, yeah, kind of like middle of March. Yeah. Um, and you actually, so that gig didn't go ahead, but you did play a gig. I think you played a gig at uh, Yuli's Brewery, is it on the 6th of March? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So quite a lot of stuff happened in those 13 days. <laughs> Definitely did, yeah. Can you tell us a bit about from your perspective for an artist who's just about to launch a single that they've put so much thought into, uh, you know, writing the song, doing the recordings, getting everything together, uh, and then it sort of comes out digitally but you're not able to physically play the show. Can you tell us a little bit about the mindset that that puts you in? really bums you out. <laughs> it's a big, big bummer. But um, at the same time, it's just circumstances that nobody could have possibly predicted and, like, the just really unreal circumstances. So you kind of just be like, okay, like, I felt like, like, I like, yeah, like, I had a bit of a cry, but I was like, you know what, at least I'm not sick or don't have a family member who's sick or, like, I'm losing my job or anything like that. So I guess because the times are so chaotic, it's kind of easy to put things in perspective. But I feel like everybody right now feels personally victimized by coronavirus. So it's not just me, and it, I guess it makes you feel a bit better in a sense. So having to take a step back from that, uh, kind of go into isolation and not being able to, you know, tour around like crazy and play loads of shows, I was just thinking, is there anything reflective of like the mood of the song or the themes that you were talking about that made you think, oh, man, this is super relevant for what everyone has to do right now? 
I'm not sure really. Like I think a lot of the themes of the song are basically just about noticing the moment you're in. And I guess in a way it's relevant to Corona and the fact that we're all sort of forced to be by ourselves and we're all forced to be a bit more quiet and to notice how we're spending our time like really acutely because like there's no outside distractions, like literally no outside distractions apart from still social media and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's everybody's slowing down a little bit. And have you written any songs over the last couple of weeks? I haven't. I'm taking a break. Yeah, I'm taking a step back for a little while. I'm trying to do other stuff outside of music, like finding finding other stuff I enjoy, but also doing the other things that I enjoy. Okay. And that was kind of unrelated to what's happening in the world at the moment, right? That was kind of a conscious decision before this happened. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd really like to go back and have a talk about the, so you played the gig on the 6th of March at Yuli's Brewery. And I think it kind of seems like things have happened in this like slow progression. So I guess at that time, things would have maybe started to being talked about being shut down. Yeah, like the week off the single launch gig, um, one of the girls, Maddie, who was going to be playing with me that night, um, she was like, so is the gig still going ahead on Thursday? And I was like racking my brain for a second and be like, why wouldn't the gig go ahead? And then I was like, wait, maybe because of coronavirus? And she's like, yeah. And then like at the time it just seemed like a bit like, nah, like they never cancel the gig because of coronavirus. But then like from how it was then to how it is now, it's just, feels like it's just escalated so much mm, it's like there's new rules every day yeah definitely i think there are new rules every day sure uh each one more confusing than the last yeah <laughs> yep and like all they all kind of seem to undermine each other as well it's the good news for me is my haircuts only take 20 minutes so i guess it's fine <laughs> how long does it take your hair to grow though oh uh, i'm probably not the best to talk about haircuts because i don't get them that often <laughs> <laughs> I think generally just unkempt is sort of the look that I go for. <laughs> you know what? It's a style. It's, it's a fashion thing. I think you're safe. It's good. <laughs> Computers, drugs, and boredom Made me sad in time in So you released, I mean, the single is out now. It's in the world, it's on Spotify, um, it's on SoundCloud, it's on everything. Did you, so I guess you have been playing in this in this band or this project, The Astrals, but you yeah. decided to, to make a kind of conscious decision that you're stepping away from music. Are there other creative outlets that you're pouring yourself into at the moment? Um, well, I've been painting and stuff for like quite a few years now, and but it's really just my own enjoyment I kind of just do it for fun I'm not really I think anything creative wise I just want to do it because it's enjoyable to do it whereas music it's always been like I enjoy doing it but I also wanted to share it with people and I just kind of feel like I need a little bit of a break from the wanting to share it with people part I guess because right okay yeah yeah. It's a lot of work putting like a, a single campaign together where you have all the separate aspects that you have to work on, doing the video, uh, doing all the marketing stuff can be pretty draining. Yeah, um, 
making a music video for it too. Um, thankfully, all the shots got finished before everything went into lockdown. But yeah, it was like a lot of, a lot of balls in the air at, the, at one time. I'm not sure how that expression sounds. A lot of, yeah, a lot of things going on at the one time, um, trying to get stuff organized. But also, I just wanted to feel like I, I did as much as I could so that when I did take a step away, I felt like I had earned the right to step away, I guess. Sure. I really like the plan of doing something just for your own personal enjoyment. Yeah. Like, I feel like if people, like myself included, like, keep forgetting to do that and, like, remembering the reason why we enjoy all the stuff we like in the first place, like, once the thought of displaying it becomes involved. I, um, I just was reading a book quite recently about neoliberalism. Nice. Which is something I never really read about before. And I think the kind of argument in the book was that with the access that we have to new ways of spreading what we're doing through technology, mm -hmm. the perception is that we have so much more freedom, but then the reality is that it becomes kind of so all-consuming mm -hmm. that it actually reduces the freedom. Definitely. I feel that big time. Like, I think certain people are kind of built for social media and it works for them and there's a lot of positive sides to it and it can be really good, but I just know that I'm not one of those people. Like, I remember when Facebook first started becoming, like, a super prevalent thing, like, my friends bribed me to get it so that they could stay in better touch with me when I moved schools. And then, like, I just, once I heard the concept of what it was, I was just like, why would I want to get that? Like, I just didn't make I just, I just like didn't make any sense to me, but I ended up getting it, and I don't stay in contact with like any of those people anymore, and like barely did. So, sure. And I don't know. It's just become. Yeah, I'm just not suited for it. I don't think. How do you feel about it? Well, I guess going back to the book, I was going to say that in the old kind of it talks about that we had a transition in the way that we produce things. In the old days, we used to go to a factory and make a doorstop, and then that was what we were producing, and that's what sold. But mm -hmm. the argument in the book is that we're transitioning from producing physical goods to producing data, basically. And so in the old days, it used to be you go to the factory, you make doorstops for eight hours, and then you just go home, and then that's it. But because everything is so connected now, there's just no stop. Yeah. Yeah. It's like once you're, you know, if you work in an office or whatever, or not even not in an office, like, once you go home and finish your work day, your work day is not actually over because you're still so contactable by all these means of communication. Sure. We actually got an email through work saying something about, you know, there's this great new thing that uh, everyone can get allocated a headset and we can all use Microsoft Teams so everyone can be connected at work the whole time. And I think um, some people thought that's great, but I thought that there was a touch of Orwell in what they were saying. <laughs> yeah, because, like, you know, like some of the favorite bits of the workday is when you can just sit still for a minute and like no one's looking at you and you can just like not do anything for like a, a second. And not, I guess not if you all have headsets on. No, it's it's a relatively brave new world. Yeah. I um, I'd really like to listen to some music. Do it. Yeah, let's have a listen to the track that was released last week. This is the newest track from the Astrals. It is called Disappearing.
we just heard Disappearing, the newest single from The Astrals. I was actually doing a bit of reading uh, about your bio, and there was a sentence that you wrote which I found really interesting. You said that the sound of the astrals takes the sonic form of a child's drawing on a fridge. Can you explain? Um, yeah. So um, I guess you know how child's children's drawings are always kind of pretty but, like, dirty as well. Mm. I guess just the fact that they're put on the fridge reveals something, like, kind of quite sentimental and sweet at the same time but also random but also everyday object kind of stuff. And I guess that's, I guess that's what it reminds me of when I hear it or I guess the sentiment I was going for or the feeling, like the way you feel when you see a kid's drawing on the fridge. Ah, right, okay. Cool. I mean, the reason that I kind of brought that up is because I think that I've made it pretty clear on the podcast that my favourite band is the White Stripes. Nice. And I know that so with some of their artwork and also with the aesthetic, they kind of were consciously choosing like a childish or like a childlike approach to the songwriting. Um, and I so think nice. that's really cool. It's so nice and simple how they do it. It's so good. Yeah, and I think I, just, I crave simplicity. <laughs> Definitely, especially when you're reading and writing about physics half the time. Sure. Yeah, simplicity is a a nice escape. (laughs) (laughs) We So here's the thing. We have a mutual friend in Brie. Mm -hmm. And she is a bit of a women who rock celebrity uh, because she was actually episode number one. I think when I actually uploaded the episode, uh, I put episode number one, and it's the only one that I put the number in the title. So she is really the number one episode. Can you tell us a bit about... Um, the is it the Bedrock Collective that you met uh, Bree through? Uh, yeah, so me and a couple of friends, we had a collective called Bedrock Collective and it was basically about um, having lineups that consisted of like 60% female identifying people. And so Bree's band Library Siesta was on one of our lineups and that's how I met her and she's a lovely, lovely, lovely lady. <laughs> Are you still doing things with the Bedrock Collective? Uh, I'm not. I'm not really sure what's going on with Bedrock at the moment. Um, I guess in these sorts of times, nothing much, but also the girls involved in it, they've all kind of got like their own projects, like whether it be bands or graphic design and stuff. So I'm not too sure what's happening with that one at the moment. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad that it can bring women who rock guests together. <laughs> Yeah. It is time for the segment, Tell Me a Thing, where I have a list of seven topics. And I ask you to choose just one of them and tell me something about one of those topics. Topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, poetry, Patti Smith, punk rock, death, and politics. So, Claire, can you please tell us a thing? Patti Smith, because the night, that Patti Smith song, Mm. music of that is written by Bruce Springsteen, which is, I think, a pretty well-known fact. 
And then he phoned Patti Smith and he asked her to do the lyrics for it. And so she did the lyrics for it and then it became like this big hit song. And this is like years after her kind of like just playing like underground shows, just kind of doing like all that, all the poetry and everything like that. And then her and her buddy Robert Maplethorpe, who she writes a lot about in Just Kids, um, there's like a moment where they're like on the street and then because the night comes on and then he's super bummed because she got famous before him and wrote a, has like a pop song that people can dance to. Yeah, super bummed, but also pretty proud as well, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. They had a, they had a lovely friendship. Yeah, so, I mean, you've read multiple of the books, right? Yeah, Just Kids, M Train, and and I'm currently reading um, Year of the Monkey. How are you finding Year of the Monkey thus far? I think she's, like, she's just super nice to keep company with. Like, the same as M Train, she just kind of, like, she tells you what she has for breakfast, like, what she does with her day. She just eats, like, a lot of, like, bread and olive oil and drinks a lot of black coffee. Mm-hmm like super clean living like she doesn't do drugs or anything doesn't really seem to drink alcohol much at all um so you, you just kind of spend time with her and like it's it's kind of super navel gazing and everything and super self-indulgent but it's just so enjoyable that it just doesn't matter whereas like just kids is is telling a story a lot more there's like way less tangents or something but um yeah it just feels like it just feels like you're spending time with a friend when you read like M Train and so far, um, as far as I'm into it, um, Year of the Monkey. Yeah, it's very much like a, you have like a personal connection. You just kind of see what's going on. Yeah. I um, So how far through Year of the Monkey are you? Uh, only first few couple of pages. I reckon probably up to the second chapter maybe. Okay. I, um, I read it when I was – I basically read most of it on a plane to the U.S. Oh, nice. And so the, you mentioned it's kind of like it's a really like transient things happen and it changes and you're kind of never sure if it's this is real or a dream. And I did that. I was becoming like more and more delirious on my flight to LAX. <laughs> so I think it would be interesting to go back and read it in a sort of non-extremely tired state. <laughs> yeah, I read, just read the bit where she's like hitchhiking with this couple, but they demand that she doesn't speak in the car. And she's really vibing on their soundtrack. And so she really wants to like talk to them about how much she likes their music taste. But they're yeah. like, no talk. But I'm like, if you had Patti Smith in your car and you had like listened to the same kind of music that Patti Smith does, you're probably from the same generation as Patti Smith, like as if you wouldn't want to talk to Patti Smith. Maybe they didn't know. Yeah. I mean, there's no way. Like, I just don't understand. Like, maybe they didn't recognize her or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can safely say that if we were in a car with Patty Smith, we'd probably have a different approach. Yeah, I'd like probably invite her into the car as well. I'd be like, you can ride with me, Patty. It's all good. You know, you don't have to pay for gas or anything. Just let's just have a journey. Probably, yeah. Like wherever you're going is just that's fine. Yeah, she, even if she was heading a completely different direction, I'd yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep. Whereas this couple uh, doesn't even want to talk to her. So, well, I hope that you enjoy the ensuing time reading Year of the Monkey, and I guess you'll have quite a bit of time on your hands at the moment. Um, Claire, thank you so much for doing the first electronic version of Women Who Rock. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and playing the song and everything.
Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of 2SER 107.3. Oh,